0: Hi, this is John. Before we start today's episode, uh, I want to apologize. We had some audio issues uh, when recording with Josh Frank, the author of Giraffes on Horseback Salad, and he sounds a bit echoey. We'll try to fix this for next time, but in the meantime, enjoy the interview. Welcome to Kikadrome This week on Geekadrome, I am joined by author Josh Frank, who is the author of Giraffes on Horseback Salad, which is the collaboration between Harpo Marx and Salvatore Dali. So how are you doing today, Josh?
1: I'm doing good. I'm here at my, my little uh, urban drive-in movie the theater. That is my day-night job, basically. Um, and help finance my, my book, book, as most, most day jobs, jobs do, <laughs> <laughs> uh, going okay, towards yeah. your heart, so, you know.
0: So anybody can come and use your drive-in movie theater there?
1: Yeah, we're open to the public Thursday through Saturdays, and we also are available for private rentals. Tonight we have a private rental. Oh, so uh, it's and really actually, I think It's in Austin, Texas, um, Central Austin.
0: Where are you? I'm up in New York. Oh,
1: cool.
0: So, but I have visited Austin quite a few times for South by Southwest. Love it there.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, a good, good place. place. Where in New York?
0: I'm right outside New York City in Westchester.
1: Oh, I went to, to, to see purchase. purchase.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm not too far from there in White Plains. Spent many, many a night at a
1: diner in White Plains in my in, in my, my youth.
0: We have a few good ones out here, so. You
1: do. Yeah, I went to film school there, which is how I learned a lot of the stuff, actually, that I needed to know in order to pull this book off.
0: Cool. So, where did your first inspiration come from for this?
1: Well, my previous books were all, like, um, sort of lost history related. My first one was about the band The Pixies. My second was about New Wave Theater, Night Flight, David Lynch, and sort of this lost Hollywood punk rock world of the 80s. My third one was a, was a um, sort of lost story of the first French pornographic film, uh, an idea from Black Francis' of The Pixies. And so throughout my writing, I kind of got really into these different books I got really into like sort of searching out great lost stories especially ones that sort of shed light on people that are heroes of mine with stories and ideas that hadn't been discovered yet or that you know really kind of brought to life new things about these great iconic people and um so when well, I was thinking about what to do for my fourth book, I decided to look up all of the um, the great unmade movies of the last 50, 60, 70 years and see if there was one that had a great story behind it that I could maybe even and, and sort of finish the movie in a way as a graphic novel that also tells the story, the artist trying to, Made them the, the film, film and what went wrong. <sighs> and um, in all of these lists there, there was always a mention of Jurassic World's and, and I grew up being really a huge Marx Brothers fan, so that really appealed to me. And I... Yeah, I
0: just want to point out that there's this great picture of you yeah. as a fan of Harpo at a young age.
1: And, yeah, that was me I think at around 10 or 11. For Halloween, I was I into kind of the Marx Brothers as a kid. I was one of those weird kids that everyone else is, you know, into, you know, death Leppard, and, and I was into the Beatles. Everybody, everybody else, else was into um, Freddy Krueger, and I was into the Marx Brothers.
0: You know? Yeah, but it's quirky people like that who make the most interesting art. You know, nothing uh, interesting really comes from the mainstream.
1: Right, right, right. Well, there's, there's enough, enough people, people to do the, the mainstream,
0: mainstream, right? Always. But, you know, you, you're you talking to Black Francis, and nobody would claim him to be mainstream or normal.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah it's, it's true. true. I mean, my, 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 my whole writing my career started with the idea, idea that the Pixie story, story would make a great book, book and no one had really, really thought about that, that you know? know? So, so I, I to him. During his solo years, before they got together, and I pitched him the idea of doing something with his story. And uh, he was receptive mainly because I told him the story of the time I reached out to Werner Herzog and asked permission to stage a Werner Herzog film right out of college from SUNY Purchase. And he said, Well, Anything that's good enough for Werner Herzog is good enough for me, so, so he gave me permission to do my first project. Oh, that's
0: great. Yeah. So, what happened once you found the script? for the Or the idea, at least.
1: So, I found the listing in in, in these long lists of great, animated movies, and I scoured the internet five or six years ago, for any, any other mentions, mentions of it, and there, and there were, a were a bunch mentions, of mentions, but they, they were all for very brief. You know, they were like a paragraph, and they all had similar information, but this wasn't a lot of info on it. So I became pretty obsessed with finding out more info than anyone else had come up with at that point. That's always sort of the fun challenge for me, you know, like, uh, and so I spent a good year and a half tracking down any other small pieces of info I could find. And then towards the end, I had the mother load with 80 pages of handwritten notes that Dolly and Richard that were at a museum archive in Paris. And um, I, I convinced them to send them to me. And they sent me the PDF of these 80 pages of Dolly's notes. And um, I hired a, a friend of mine that speaks French to translate them for me and once translated there was just a a lot of good material to work with and that's when i realized you know i might actually have enough material to to do something with this and it was very exciting but it was still like like, very beginning of whether it's possible or not because i had to put a proposal together and write enough samples material to pass by, like, this is one very old estate, but two, and um, so that's that was sort of you know how it came about. One, how I often, Material. Hmm?
0: How often do either of those estates actually let anybody use their material? <laughs>
1: So this is the Dali estate saying, hey, I want to do something completely new with Salvador Valley. Usually it's because they want to use it for like a biography or for an article. They want to use a picture of him. So what I was going to be stating was something really different. I wanted to turn him into a character and create a graphic novel. That no one would have done that. And with the Marx brothers, again, nobody come to them and been like, I want to do something completely different, completely new with that. A lot of people have come to them over the years wanting to do biographies, you know? And like, you know, there's been many attempts to make a biographical feature film about that. Um, But I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to do something really weird and like outside the box and off the rails. And I think that both estates were sort of like, it's like a completely different idea to do with, you know, with, with the brand, with and, the brand, brand. and they wanted to see where I go it. with it. And, and I think they, they pretty, pretty much were sure I would be able to pull it off anyway. So, why not why not see where it goes? But they, I was thrilled when I, I turned in the final draft to, to both of them, them and they, they were both were the very pleased.
0: Oh, well, it's great that they both loved the script that you made from it.
1: Yeah, they, well, I, basically, basically, I turned I in the whole graphic novel, you know, like, uh, in the, you know, in, in a in a sort of um, unfinished form from the final, so they really got to see it, and it was it was totally scary because you know I spent six, six years, years putting them together, and then it all boiled down to that one first look that they both had of the final product. You know, I wasn't was showing them as I went along, you know, uh, so, so that, that was, was pretty, pretty scary. scary. Um, I, was I was pretty, pretty afraid, afraid the whole thing would, would fall apart every day for the six years mm-hmm. I was working on it. And it mm-hmm. almost did about 200 mm-hmm. times.
0: Is there any one exceptional time where it really felt like it was going to not going to happen at that point?
1: hundred of those. Um, and, you know, in the early first three years, I went through four or five different illustrators that, you know, trying to find the perfect one. I had one, that was set to do it. We had a book deal. The book deal fell through, the illustrator fell through. I found myself back to square one with nothing. And my agent telling me, well, you lost the publisher, your book's dead now. <laughs> Because once, once you lose a publisher, publisher it's, it's like, like tainted, tainted or something. Yeah. You know, even yeah. if there's a good reason, which, which there was. was. So that added another year and a half. I just I didn't give up. I was just like, there's like, no there's way after all of this, this book is like, not going to happen. So but yeah, yeah there's no. a lot of ups and downs. Um funny, funny enough, enough, never had, had to do with the actual output of the book, the actual you know, it, it never was like, oh, this book is crap, we're going to start from scratch. From like, 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 The creating of the book, the writing of the book, book the, book, the book, but putting, putting it together, together that was actually like, the easy part. It was all the other things, things, you know, which I'm, I'm sure, you know, can be applied by my project.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I've had quite a few of those myself. But you just persevere and hope that the right people find
1: it. Uh, yeah find workarounds, you know, uh, I have to find like a lot of workarounds over the years in order to get to, get to the next, step. Uh, there was a lot of the cart-before-the-horse things where it really seemed like, like there was no way the horse was going to get there because the cart was not moving and, you know, but, but we did it and I'm thrilled and the response has been, been really great and, um, fans of the Marx Brothers and fans of Dolly both folks really, really pleased with it and I'm, I'm so happy about
0: that yeah I mean I read it I thought it was fantastic thank you um, was there any feedback you got from the Dolly or the Marx Estates where they liked or didn't like something specific
1: absolutely which is amazing you know I mean um, the, the only thing, thing is, and again it was one of those last minute things where I was like oh my, oh my god I'm like, this is going to fall apart is that at the very end, end, like like days days before before the book was was going to go to print, the Dali state asked if we could put put in some some of Dali's Dali's original original, uh, notes, notes, which 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 made made it into into the book. book. Um, And I'm so so glad they they did, did, because I think they're a huge asset to the experience. But we were just so focused on finishing the book In time that we really didn't have have time to consider consider extras, you know, until until the last minute. And And they they felt very strongly about putting some of those in there. Well, Well, that's not necessarily a problem. But then then it turned out out that because those were, you know, those had their own US rights situation that we had to deal with a whole other person for. And it was clear the dollars that they really wanted them in. The publisher didn't want to worry about putting them in because they were so worried about their, you know, their time, the timing from getting it to the, to the printer. And so I was stuck right in the middle of this, like, you know, trying to make everyone happy, trying to make the book the best it be. And it got down to like, like the last minute, you know, all about these just extra images to put in the book. You know, and, and that, that was like, like one, one of those things, things like, like, I spent, I spent six, six years, years getting this whole thing, running this book, right, getting the permissions, doing them. all this stuff, and it's all coming down to these four images that are going to just, you know, just, you know, the whole crash of the whole thing in the sea. It worked yeah. out, but, but it was totally stressful. And, you know, again, again you do you a 250-page book, you all dollar, dollarize, you cross all your T's, you you, you, put you put this amazing, amazing package together, you know, know having the Dolly and the Marx Brothers, and so, so neat, and cool. And then days before you're going to turn it in and pop the champagne, you're you you're up at four a.m. pacing, wondering how you're, you're going to pull off getting these extra four images in. You know, uh, but, but, but I'm glad we did because I really like having the extra concepts in there. I feel like it adds a lot.
0: Yeah, it definitely adds texture. Seeing what his original intent was, his original ideas. And you even got um, some writing from Karl Marx's son, which I thought really added a lot as well. Yeah, I
1: really, I really wanted to have a look forward by him. Um, I feel I he's, he's so, so important, important, such, such, a, such a, 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 a gift that we mean, still have today, because his, who he is, his character, his personality, it's still connected to his father and his uncles and his spirit to have in the world while working on this book. I feel like he's very much a part of, part of his son, of Bill.
0: Yeah, and it really felt like Bill was supportive of the project and really wanted to continue the legacy of the Marx Brothers through the book. Yes, he
1: saw... He 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 really saw what was special about it, and and how how it's kind of this is a good project to make something new with to carry it on, and and I'm so grateful to him, and and you could tell he's as kind and supportive as his father was, you know, and that he got that that light that energy.
0: Yeah, and it's just great to hear that it can bring this to a new audience because I don't know how many kids today are actually familiar with the Marx Brothers, even.
1: Good format for sort of younger generations to kind of get a taste, you know? It's in color, you know, that helps. (laughs) And, um, yeah.
0: Well, I actually love the use of color, how the mundane world is kind of a black and white, shades of gray, and then we meet the surrealist woman and color gets introduced and the Marx Brothers are very colorful against the backdrop of reality.
1: It was one of those sort of things like, well, well, Marx Brothers movies are in black and white and we're going for sort of authenticity here. So technically this movie should be in black and white. But then I realized, well, this is a movie about a woman that can create whatever world she so desires. So, you know, Let's start it in black and white, like it would be in the movie, but when the surrealist woman enters, we have a reason to bring it into color. And so I feel it worked very well in that
0: way. Yeah, it definitely added a whole dimension to the book. Um, So who was the artist?
1: Ella Portega, she's from Spain, Barcelona. She is incredible. my my greatest hope of this book is that she gets lots of work from her because she so deserves it um this is her first major project i i discovered her because i didn't have an illustrator halfway through the project and i've been sort of chomping at the bits to find someone that not only could sort of nail what it needed to be but that would be a good partner and I'll goes back to that sort of authenticity thing like how do we make this the most authentic and so I found this website called The uh, Hence, which helps you find illustrators and graphic designers around the country and around the world um, you're actually able to search for them um, through like a, a search window and you can look uh, whatever country, whatever city, whatever town, and get very specific. So I searched in Spain, it's like, well, this 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 is a this is about Dali. I mean I, I, if the, the perfect person would be from Spain. And um so this website catalogs people's um portfolios um for you to look through and if you like someone's art, you can reach out to them. And so I looked through her portfolio on, uh, events, and it was amazing. And I reached out to her and I said, hi, I'm in Austin, Texas, and you're in Barcelona, Spain. And I um, got this project and she wrote me back and it was like, it was like ready to go. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. And her art really is fantastic. Just show up some of it. I mean, she's got such great line work, such great use of color. It really added to the whole story and wouldn't have worked without it.
1: It's emotional, it's inductive, you
0: know? Oh, definitely. And you had assistants writing some of this from a rather famous name.
1: So... I realized that I really probably could use some help with the um, with the comic parts because there were four Marx Brothers, you know, and I'm one one person and it just didn't seem like one person, especially a person who's not necessarily you know, a pro with with, with comedy and I mean, I can write it, but like, like I would never assume to be able to write like the Marx Brothers. So I was like, maybe I should split this up. And so, you know, I asked uh, Black Francis, you knows there's a lot of comedy guys, who do you think's the most surreal comic out there? He said, well, definitely Tim Heiker from Tim and Eric. And I said, do you think you could put me in touch with them? And he said, yeah, he did. And we met for lunch in L.A. I flew out there. And I pitched him the idea. I was pretty sure he was gonna be like, that's a really neat idea, but it's not for me. Because it's not the kind of thing he usually does. But what's interesting about it is he is the kind of guy that's interested in trying different things, being challenged, doing weird things. So he he said he was open and on board, and he had this really great idea to bring in a little writer's room of some of his good friends, some of which were Marx Brothers fans. And together we kind of like through the ideas back and forth in order, until we found sort of the right gaps and jokes. And it was great. And uh, so although his contribution was short, it was like two or three days, it was vital to making the whole thing work.
0: Yeah, I mean, reading it, it definitely had the voices of the Marx Brothers, especially in the more surreal scenes. And you see I'm the brown show just that. walking yeah. through.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you really we really got it. Um, I'm I'm shocked. I mean, I again, it's like I I I, I wasn't sure. I, I I wouldn't have bet that we were going to be able to pull off people actually buying the Marx Brothers humor because it's not only are we not the Marx Brothers, but it's a book. So there was a lot going against people, you know feeling that vibe. But we worked really hard in trying to try and get it. And um I think partly because we were kind of humble about it and like, you know, like we're not worthy, you know, like we were aware of that fact that we we pulled it off just enough to you know that 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 it worked. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I mean I grew up uh watching the March Brothers movies too and like i could totally hear groucho and chico in these scenes i don't actually know what harpo sounds like but beyond the horns but uh you know yeah
1: yeah no it was really fun writing groucho and chico stuff too like like, like i was able to do some of it um like some of like a good amount of those lines were mine but particularly with chico i i it's interesting i discovered I can write Chico pretty well because he's sort of the everyman uh, of the comic trio, you know? Like, like, but Groucho's humor is so much more layered and full of that Algonquin roundtable wit, you know, that that was a bit of a reach to keep it up like, I could, I could do like, like, like one four or four. two. And then, but I needed 15, you know? And so that's what I did. I would write the first two or three of his lines. And then I would write, just like Dolly did in his notes, for for his pitch insert Marx Brothers Mayhem here. That's what Dolly wrote. He didn't actually write any Marx Brothers, the good guys. He wrote weird Dolly guys, but. He knew that real gags needed to be in there, Marx Brothers stuff. So he wrote "Search <laughs> served Marx Brothers Mayhem here. So I did that <laughs> in my script too. I would get a couple of Groucho things that I was like, like, proud of, I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good Groucho line. And then I would just be like, that's all I got. And then I'd write "Search for Marx Brothers Mayhem here. And that's when you know Tim and his friends and me in this writer's room kind of added the remainder of the page.
0: So your process was as collaborative as Dolly's and the Marx Brothers?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the Marx Brothers, uh, their jokes were completely collaborative. They worked on them together. They even worked them out in front of audiences before shooting them. So, you know, definitely, by following their way of doing it, we were able to kind of, you know, mimic it, you know, I think, in 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 a way that, you know, Work, work, work. yeah,
0: so because you treat the whole thing as a movie, especially in the introduction, you're saying it's the as if the movie was created back in that period. Have you had any thoughts about creating like an animated version of it as opposed to just this book version? From your mouth to the
1: studio head's ears <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I can do it. It would cost a lot. <laughs> To, to oh do I don't it. doubt it. But <laughs> but I believe me, I, I would love to see it as a feature and I think it would make a fabulous feature film. Um maybe not live action, maybe like animated or you know a CGI type of thing or or a mix. But um yeah, I I I hope whether it's in a year or five or ten that that someone tries to to do it, uh, you know, with with with, uh, with the book, I think it'd be great. I want to see it.
0: Yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, reading it, I could just—I was just imagining it as like an animated film. Yeah. Uh, is that something that would actually have to even go through Warner Brothers, since they did all the Marx Brothers movies back in the day?
1: No, um, it would just, just go through the two estates. You know, we go through the Dolly and the Marxist state, getting their permissions, and then, and then, uh, you know, picking up the the uh, the option. On the book. Oh,
0: so that's a little simpler.
1: Yeah, I mean, it actually is. It's actually quite simple
0: compared to
1: like the six years that I wanted to get the proper You know, it's all very clear now.
0: The
1: estates are happy with, with what it's become, so they would probably be open to, to allow a movie to happen.
0: Yeah, but if both of them love it and the book gets a good reception, there's no reason why it shouldn't happen.
1: <laughs> no reason. Yeah. It should not happen. Fingers crossed. Mine are. Yeah.
0: Definitely. So then what's next for you now that the book is done?
1: Well, I mean, I started like a year ago looking into like what I maybe wanted to do next as a follow-up. I know I want to do another graphic novel. I really enjoyed it. Um, I and I know I'm, I know I want to do something in a similar vein to this sort of lost movie story idea. And I've got a couple of ideas. It's hard to find the right one because it has to be this sort of perfect union of Something that's interesting enough of a story, that's got some key players that people know, and that has enough material to do something with. And the estates would, would. allow it because they're done with the project and see no future in it, in it for anything else, you know? Um, so it's hard to find the right one. I also am working on a possible Marx Brothers follow up. Um, there was an idea that Tim. Suggested early on in the writing process that that didn't work for this one, um, because because of the authenticity thing. But it stayed in my head as something that would be kind of awesome. So depending on a number of different elements, there could be another Marx Brothers uh, project. You know, uh, at some point.
0: Well, I'm excited to see it from when it happens.
1: So am I. No, yeah. No, I mean, I actually, I love working with the Marx Brothers. Like, I mean, it felt it felt like home. It felt like, you know, something that I was good at doing and maybe meant to do. And so I hope there's something else in that world that I could still explore, especially since it would be a lot easier the second time.
0: Well yeah, if the doors are already open, you can just walk right in and get active yeah. and hopefully pitch it to them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. All
0: right. Well, thank you very much for coming on and talking about giraffes on horseback salad. For for liking the book and for wanting to tell, you know, tell your listeners and watchers about it. And I'm thrilled to be able
1: to celebrate the Marx Brothers with, with everybody with you by sharing the book, you know, and talking about it. So this is why I did it.
0: Well, where they can find more about you or the book online?
1: Uh, the, the book has a website, www.horsebackstylethebook.com. There's also some extras, and you can hear some uh, screening samples of the soundtrack, which is the whole other element that we decided to do um, in order to finish the film. And the actual soundtrack is going to come out in about a month or a month and a half through a major label, but in the meantime, the website has the ability to listen to some of the songs um, now.
0: Will there be recordings of all the songs that are written out in the book?
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, because it's one of the big things with the Marx Brothers back in the day was that they all musicians and sang songs.
1: Yeah, we really made a point of trying to recreate that.
0: All right, and you'll be on tour soon to promote the book as well.
1: Be in LA on Thursday at the Egyptian Theater showing the Marx Brothers double feature, and then um, I'll be back in New York actually May twenty one at the Chelsea Music Hall doing an event.
0: I'll have to go and try and check that out. All right. Well, that's it for this week. You can find us on Twitch at Kikadrome. Uh you can subscribe to us on iTunes and hit us up on Twitter at Pod. So until next week, thanks for coming on, Josh. And we'll see you all next time.